is we're being really intentional about selecting and sequencing and making those connections so that we can intentionally move student thinking through a progression. The more that we can think about students before turning a page, uh, it, it definitely pays its dividends in the long run. Welcome to the OPL podcast from Montgomery County Intermediate Unit. I'm Stephanie Schwab and I am here with Graham Fletcher who's been joining us for the last two days and we're excited to have a conversation with him. We have others joining us as well if they want to introduce themselves quickly also. I'm Andrew Kuhn. I'm a project consultant for the MCIU. Aaron Barry, also a project consultant for MCIU. And Christine Jenkins. I'm an instructional coach in the Happer Horsham School District. Graham, you've been with us the last two days, K to two yesterday and three to five focused today, and we've been talking about the power of progressions. During our two days together, you focused heavily on the five practices modeled, anticipating student responses, monitoring student work, selecting particular students to present their mathematical work, sequencing those responses, and then connecting different students' responses about key mathematical ideas. Can you tell us a little bit about why these five practices are so crucial for K to five math classrooms? Yeah, I, 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 thanks for having me. I, I think the big thing for the five practices for me is, I think as teachers, we, we don't need anything else added to our plate. But what I realized with the five practices allowed me to see is that I'm already doing some amazing things with students. I'm just not intentional or purposeful along the way. So I think a lot of the times we're working with students or alongside them, we're monitoring, we're selecting, but there were some things that kind of pulled out for me that I could definitely do a lot better. Uh, when I start thinking about that anticipating, instead of just looking to say, hey, can students solve this? Will it be right or wrong? It's more looking at the types of thinking before we jump in and start playing around with students. And then I think we all kind of, when we have that chance, we do the closing and the wrap up of a lesson, but it just turns more into like a show and tell where we just randomly pick a couple students. So the, what the five practices really highlighted for me is I need to be more intentional and purposeful about selecting students thinking and sharing that at the end of the class, that's going to help move thinking forward. And, and I'll be honest, the closing of a lesson is probably the most important part of a lesson because it really allows us to synthesize all the learning that just took place and set up the learning that we'll be doing for tomorrow. During our time together over the last two days, we've had participants across the county and even out of the county. With us today is Christine Jenkins, one of the math instructional coaches from Hapar Hersham School District. Christine, as a participant in our sessions with Graham, what do you feel you learned that is the most valuable with regards to your role? And what's one thing you plan to take back to your district? Yeah, that's great. Um, first, I've enjoyed everything. Um, and I was able to bring some teachers out, which I think is just the most valuable part for me to really sit down and work with teachers. But in terms of what I bring back as, as someone that is often responsible for providing professional development, I think there are a lot of practices that Graham reminded us of. We are just rolling out a new resource. So we're at uh, our teachers have been a little bit, I don't know, in the thick of it, trying to get their head around this new resource. That being said, we're at the point where they're comfortable that they can start to make those instructional decisions and really practice that art and craft of teaching. And so whether it's the five practices that help us really take an intentional look at those classroom discussions and how do we structure them, you know, while our resource might guide us towards what discussions they can, you know, we can have, it, it's how do you get that student voice into those discussions and then really 
listen, for, listen for what it is that they're doing, um, how they're approaching a problem, and then kind of push them towards, in that progression, towards more efficient strategies. So, you know, the example we were looking at this morning was looking at fractions. And I know, Steph, you and I were, were talking about how you know, we might be satisfied at the beginning of a unit if students are, are approaching something from an additive perspective, but to A, be able to recognize that, put names to that, and then be really intentional about structuring conversations to move past that. Um, so those were the things, the five practices. And then the other thing was just the value. Graham, in all the PD sessions, always has some great videos of students and listening to them. There's absolutely no replacement for listening to a student's thinking. I think the value of bringing that student voice, again, a reminder for me in professional development to go out and find that and collect those, those pieces of evidence, because that's really the purpose. Awesome. Thanks, Christine. We appreciate you being here. Graham, in our office, we always are thinking about intersectionality. I'm, be, I'm on the Universal Design for Learning team here at MCIU, and we talk a lot about this idea of entry into instruction for all students through design. You've said yesterday and today, differentiation should be just in time, not just in case. How would you say this five practice model creates entry for all students, regardless of ability? Yeah, I think those, those, those words from Julie Dixon definitely resonate with me uh, a, a lot. And I think about, uh, especially with, with, with UDL and the five practices, and, and in terms of that intersection piece, it's about choosing and selecting tasks that have multiple entry points that all students, where all students feel invited to the math party. What I love about problem-based tasks, three-act tasks, is when we ask students, hey, what do you notice? What do you wonder? It doesn't matter of a student's ability. Every student can notice and wonder something. So now they feel as if they're, they're being invited into the math conversation, where a lot of the times what we'll use is, is one problem. And we might only get like five kids who can understand what that problem is actually asking from the beginning. So I, I wonder, one of the things I really like about, about UDL is the intentionality of thinking about every student in the class and how can we amplify those students' voices who are usually marginalized in our classroom. And I think where that parallels beautifully with the five practices is we're being really intentional about selecting and sequencing and making those connections so that we can intentionally move student thinking through a progression, very much to like what Christine was talking about, like if we're working with third grade students, how do we how do we intentionally use a task that we know is going to move student thinking from additive to multiplicative thinking? Or with fifth grade and sixth grade, how do we move them from multiplicative to proportional thinking? It's, it's about being much more intentional instead of just turning and opening up a page and saying, this is what I'm teaching to do. But in the reality, that's hard for teachers because they teach 75 subjects 54 days a week. But I definitely think about how we can be a little bit more intentional. And, and the more that we can think about students before turning a page, uh, it, it definitely pays its dividends in the long run. Uh, Graham, as, as students enter middle school, typically content areas become very siloed. Teachers may be reluctant to embrace cross-curricular opportunities for fear of lost instructional time. How does cross-curricular instruction further support mathematical learning? I, I think we think about cross-curricular and I also think about math concepts. I think the same is both parallel in looking at different content areas, but also looking in different doma math domains. A lot of the times we might just teach fractions and, or 
basic facts and we don't make connections with the properties that can then be applied to multi-digit computation. So interconnecting domains, but then also like what you're talking about where how is it that we can interfuse math and science so that they're not in those silos and when we can pull them together, it allows students those opportunities to make much more meaningful connections, not just a, hey, math comes, we only do math during math time. Math is much more than just math time. It's a heavy lift, I, I, I can't lie doing the front end load lifting of, of connecting math and science, but it's the good work because it allows students um, those opportunities to make the connections, which also comes back to UDL, making it intentional and purposeful. Thank you, Graham and Andrew and Aaron and Christine for all being here with us today. We're grateful to have these few minutes of time to have this further conversation. If you want to learn more about Graham Fletcher, check him out at gfletchy on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can visit his webpage at gfletchy.com. We're truly honored to have you on our space, Graham, and we thank you for spending some time with us, and we look forward to our new adventures together. Uh, it's been a blast, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm a firm believer that all of us are smarter than one of us, so it's, it's great to work alongside you and just support the teachers here in the county. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Graham.